You are listening to the Simple Self-Care Podcast by Naturally Randy Kay, a show dedicated to taking good care through connecting with the natural rhythms of the seasons and your own inner wisdom. I created this podcast to show you that self-care is more than a buzzword and a good intention. It is a vital tool for your healing journey that can fit beautifully into your everyday life. Join me as we explore the nature within and remind ourselves that we are our wisest healer. Welcome, my friends, to a brand new season of the podcast, season three to be exact. It's been a bit of a whirlwind the past few months with the holidays and travels and launching my new one-on-one mentoring program, and it feels so good to be back with you on the airwaves and back in the ritual of podcasting. And if you notice my voice is a little froggy, (laughs) I apologize recovering from a little bit of a cough, but hopefully it adds a nice raspy in a cool way vibe (laughs) to the podcast. Uh, But here we are. If you've been following me on the socials or been to my website recently, you may have seen some changes creeping in over the past month or so. I rebranded a bit with a new logo and colors and messaging And if you are a loyal listener of the podcast, you may have noticed that I have a new intro. I just switched it up a little bit. So before we get into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to share the why behind the change. It wasn't just because I was bored and sick of the old stuff. It's because I realized that it didn't properly tell the story of what I'm about these days how I've evolved over the years with all of my personal studies, my own healing and experiences with clients and the community that I serve. So yes, new branding is fun and it may seem superficial, but for me, it's been more of a deep dive journey into figuring out what I'm really about and what would truly be of value to the world right now. And at the core, what I've learned to be the most powerful way to heal and be healthy long-term is to have a solid relationship with yourself and the nature around you. And my job is to help you and give you tools to tune into and align those rhythms. I've come to believe in my 10 plus years of being a wellness practitioner that a lot of dis-ease, sickness, and pain comes from when we ignore and neglect our personal wisdom And we shut out what the rest of nature is doing. And listening and embracing what we hear and notice can lead to a sustainable healing path. So, I want to be, it is my goal to be, your go-to resource for all things seasonal self-care. Which is what I will aim to do with this podcast, my blog that I'll be doing sometime (laughs) more of. Um, my online courses, and my mentoring programs. So I hope that sounds exciting to you because I'm super jazzed about it, if you can't tell. And if you have any ideas, questions, things you want to hear from me on the matter, please reach out and let me know. I always love hearing from you. Okay, 
Okay. Cool beans. Anyone else say cool beans? I'm bringing it back. I've been bringing it back for years. It's still coming along. Anyway, speaking of cool beans and nature and seasons and awesomeness, my guest for today's episode encapsulates all of those things. I'm so happy to bring you my chat with best-selling author Kate Flanders. You may have read or heard the many accolades of her book, The Year of Less, subtitle, How I Stopped Shopping, Gave Away My Belongings, and Discovered Life is Worth More Than Anything You Can Buy in a Store. I've been girl-crushing on Kate for a while now, having listened to one of her past podcasts, The Honest Money Conversations. And after reading The Year of Less, it just confirmed my desire to have her on the show. We have similar vibes, similar nerd outs, as you will experience when we get going on the topic of books, how to shop for them, what we're reading, fiction versus nonfiction, all that good stuff. But more importantly, we talk about why money conversations are hard and why they are so important and how to avoid the money shame and defensiveness, how to celebrate money wins, what being a mindful consumer is and how to do it, the deep work that happens after you change negative habits, the importance of getting outside and connecting with nature, which is right on point, and more. There is so much goodness in one conversation, and... I know you'll enjoy it. Here we go. So, yeah, I'm like right now I would say I'm the author of um, a book called The Year of Less. Um, but, and I don't know, I'm like, I, I think six months ago I would have said I'm also a blogger and a podcaster and all these other things. And right now I'm just sort of in a phase of... Um, I'm not, and it's not a just, I was about to say, I'm just an author. And like, that's not what I mean. By that. <laughs> um, but that is sort of the one big thing that I'm working on right now. Like, I mean, the year of less came out last January and um, so it's been a little over a year now and I've done some public speaking and book events and different stuff like that. But the majority of what the past year has been was promoting the book um and it really just shifted things and yeah so I I'm not doing a whole lot else other than that right now these days I'm I'm just focusing on uh, actually my next book but I don't it's not a next book yet it's sort of I'm working on a book proposal and maybe someone will want to buy it so (laughs) (laughs) just own it man just own it you're an author and (laughs) and that's great (laughs) it is weird when you go from doing a bunch of things to one thing it does feel kind of like naked in a way yeah well and I mean I don't know the last time I have ever only done one thing (laughs) Or, or probably most people right like I think that um, I, you know, well, gosh, when was it? 2011. So eight years ago, I started blogging on the side of my day job. And it was just a personal blog where I was documenting paying off a bunch of debt that I had. And so that was a, a thing. And then when I started blogging, then I started getting freelance work. And so then I was also a freelance writer on top of a blogger. And then um, eventually I left the one job that I was at to work at another job. 
but I still always had a job. Like, so I was like always working. I was also in school for a portion of that, like finishing my degree in communications. Um, and yeah, and then eventually I quit all the jobs and I was just full-time freelance and blogging and slowly cut back on freelance, cut back, cut back until I stopped doing it all together. But then I had a podcast. So like then the podcast took up time. <laughs> like I just, I've always had multiple projects on the go and uh, yeah, it feels a, a little different, a lot more spacious to only have one, one thing. Um, I guess it's still multiple things in the sense that speaking is now sort of a new thing that I hadn't really expected um, to come from the book. But yeah, so I guess there's like a little bit of that in there. But for the most part, yeah, it is really interesting to only be doing one thing. Well, it seems kind of fitting, like as (laughs) (laughs) the evolution of your life and like decluttering and simplifying it. I mean, everything happens in these like micro spheres and then macro spheres right so it's like it's happening career-wise too going from doing a bunch of different things to to simplifying and simplifying yeah well and I think I mean last year especially 2018 was um I think because of the book and no because of the book I'm like I was gonna add more things I'm like no because of the book I went through just a massive amount of probably shock and personal growth and sort of entered a career that I didn't realize was going to be different. And that sounds so naive probably, but like I'd always just been this, you know, like I had another job and then I was blogging on the side and then I just, I don't know, I was very naive. Like I thought the book would come out and maybe three months later it would just be like back to normal. Hmm. Um, and that, that just didn't happen. And yeah, I think so last year and going through so much growth around it, I started having to ask myself a lot of tougher questions about what I actually want to be doing, what feels good. Why did things like certain things make me feel really anxious? Um, yeah, just what I did not want to be doing, what I could cut out and I don't know. And at the point, like what I ended up doing last year was that I essentially quit blogging and was just like, I'm going to retire from this and I'm going to walk away from the blogging aspect and not walking away from everything. Like I'm still on Instagram and I hang out and I write a newsletter sometimes, but um, yeah, I was just like, I couldn't do all of it. And I don't know, I am now in sort of a different position where I'm like, there's this part of me that kind of misses blogging, but I really think that like a lot of the challenges I've done, it was just really good to take like a massive step back and sort of ask myself what I actually want, what feels good, what doesn't feel good. Um, So yeah, no, I guess it is all fitting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, it's all layers, right? Like when we clear away some big obstacles um, that can take years, like debt, like our relationship with things and spending and all of that, it creates space. So then like, if you wouldn't have done all that other stuff, you wouldn't have your deeper self available. Does that make sense to like show you now that like, I don't even know if I want to do those things or that you miss them and could maybe bring them back in a way that is more in line with where you're at now. Mm -hmm. It's scary. I mean, it's scary to, I think you talk about this a lot, but like why we have these 
cluttery things in place, why we have debt in place. It's like, we don't want to go to those deeper areas for a reason. And then we learn why once we get there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I mean, I've done so much of that work, like paying off the debt. I mean, I think that, so just for reference for anyone who doesn't know, like I paid off about $30,000 of debt in two years from 2011 to 2013. And um, saying it like that, like that sounds good or like it was uh, I don't know, job well done, marked it off the list. And like, now you can move on. But the problem was that the way I approached it was so um, negative. I was so hard on myself because I got to a point with my debt where I was maxed out. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to start paying it off. And I, I just came at it from such a negative mindset or I was just really, really hard on myself. And now, I mean, this stuff's always in hindsight, but like now looking back, it's not that surprising that I was so hard on myself because I've sort of always been that way. Like as I'm getting older and challenging myself more and, you know, we could call it decluttering or really just pulling things away that were mechanisms for me at one point, like the debt or I'm drinking. I talked very openly about how I stopped drinking when I was 27. Um, you know, I've... <laughs> I think I've always been really hard on myself and that comes from a place of just like a lack of self-worth or not understanding my value, not having enough confidence and also having a lot of anxiety, which I really didn't deal with until probably about two years ago for the first time that was that I realized I needed to address it. Mm. And yeah, so I'm like, so I've, I've done all this hard work and then I was actually just having a conversation with someone yesterday about how you know, I actually, about six months before the book came out, I did a bunch of therapy for like four or five months. And I I learned a lot about myself. I knew, um, I don't know, I just learned a lot of things that I guess made sense. I don't know why I hadn't thought of them before. And it just all clicked into place. And so I thought I sort of had a better handle on like who I was, how I operated, and felt okay, or like felt like I would be okay with when the book came out and then the conversation I had last night was no like the book came out and it was like a fast track into the deepest darkest holes of yourself so it was like therapy all over again or like I I needed therapy all over again (laughs) right um but yeah so I don't know where we were going from that but (laughs) no it's all good stuff um so if you could do it over again is there a way you can go about that differently? Because I think that's really relatable to feel shamed, to want to, you know, aggressively go about things and, you know, fix yourself and recognize and you know recognize how you got into this place and feel bad. Like that's so relatable, and we're all there at certain points of our lives. Do you feel like you could have gone about it any differently? And if so, how? Mm, oh, like paying off my debt. Yeah, like you mentioned that how you started was not ideal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like I think part of it comes from the fact that I hit the point of being maxed out and even that point like not to say everyone's going to be able to avoid that, but if I had started listening to myself even 6 months sooner, I I would have changed some of the behavior then maybe like 
there were months leading up to being maxed out where I used to not only ignore my credit card statements, like I would only um, peel back the top corner so I could see what the minimum payment was and nothing (laughs) else. I never knew the balance. I never read the list of all the different purchases I had made. There could have been things that were wrong and I would have never known because I was too afraid to look. And I also, every time I would like go to not even buy things, just like swipe my credit card for anything, groceries, whatever, like I would have this gut instinct, like this is not okay. Like you should not be swiping for this right now. And because I knew that my finances were bad, I knew I was in kind of rough shape. Um, but I just kept going. Like I, I honestly just believed that as long as I could make the minimum payment, I would be okay. And then one day that wasn't true. Um, so, I mean, part of it, I think, was the fact that I hit being maxed out. I think aside from that, um, it's not even so much like, uh, I don't know. I, I guess one thing I just wish I could go back and say to myself then, because I do say it to people now, is like, just because you have debt doesn't make you a bad person. Hmm. And I think it's hard for us to accept that because maybe essentially it is our like quote unquote fault that we're in debt. Like not everyone has student loans. Like for myself, the majority of that was consumer debt. So that was technically my fault. Like it was overspending, just relying on credit, whatever was available to me. And so it's really hard to detach that information, like knowing you probably could have done better um, with, your feelings. I mean, shame is probably the number one reason that we have so many um, issues with money, especially conversations about it. Like, I actually just had a friend tell me that they were having some um, just like not big ones, but kind of slight money arguments with their partner, where most of the time they're always very open and honest, but occasionally they'll figure out that their partner has lied about something. And they're like, why does he do that? And I said, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them knowing they could have done better and they chose not to. And they don't want you to know that about them. Like they just don't want you to know that you're not perfect or that you you actively knew like I shouldn't do this but I'm going to do it anyway like we just have so much shame wrapped up in it and so I know that it's hard to strip that away but I think the more we hold on to the shame around our spending habits we just kind of think that we can keep it closeted and keep it going and we end up keeping it going kind of for as long as we can and for some people that's a lot longer than than uh, what I ended up doing just I think just again being maxed out made me have to do it sooner but I don't know. I think the shame of it is um, probably the biggest thing to strip out. And how did you do that? Like, how do you go about doing that? Um, well, I didn't do it then. And so it's not that surprising <laughs> to me that, that when I finished paying off my debt, I went right back to spending money. Mm-hmm. I didn't go back into debt, but I was basically spending everything. And because I didn't do that, I hadn't learned much and I think actually for the two years I was paying it off I just really felt deprived to some degree yeah um so yeah I I didn't do it now I I do it in different ways like it's um celebrating a lot of small wins so actually the one thing that I did always find 
motivating when I was paying off my debt was I used to have this like bar tracker on the side of my blog that, and back then I will say my blog was anonymous. Like I didn't want anyone to read it because hello, shame. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but <laughs> Very vulnerable. Yeah. And so, but I had this bar tracker and I remember feeling so motivated every time I paid off $200 or $500 or like every once in a while I would get some lump sum of money from whether it was like a tax return or whatever. And I could do like a thousand dollars and that, that stuff felt so motivating. And so like for other people, I would say like, if you can track progress on any financial goal, like whether it's paying off debt or saving for something and, and genuinely like celebrating it and you don't have to celebrate it by spending money, right? Mm -hmm. Like genuinely just, acknowledging that you've done this thing and you're getting closer to reaching your goal. And simply because you're tracking it, you're making this thing happen for yourself. Um, I also think that finding ways to feel, I kind of, not that I hate this word, it's just used so much now. I actually like the word, but it's used a lot now, which is abundance. Mm -hmm. um, but finding ways to feel the abundance in your life especially when you are doing something like paying off debt I just find like there's a, a interesting relationship between like feeling grateful and abundant or just like like you have enough um, and even sometimes it's, you can genuinely feel like you have more than enough you look around your home you're like okay like maybe I'm you know cutting back a lot this month but look at all the great things that I got to do. I get to like watch Netflix whenever I want. I get to go to the library whenever I want to. Um, I can call my friends. Like how lucky am I to have even one great friend that I can call? Um, and it's just little things. But I find there's a, an interesting mix with like being able to feel grateful for what you do have. And uh, and then it kind of removes at least the deprivation part of of where shame can come into. Yeah, I think people underestimate the power of gratitude. Like it really does shift energy and and thought processes, but it just seems so simple. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever, I'm grateful, leave me alone, you know? <laughs> Especially like when you're in the thick of it, but it really does help. I I think truly experienced it the first time during um we just call it the year of less. Like I think that that year of my life was Honestly, the first time I really felt it, like I think when actually I do remember when I was paying off my debt, I would have these little moments here and there where I would feel very lucky for what I had, but they'd be very fleeting. Like it would just kind of disappear. And then there was something about the year of less, like that, that year specifically where I really did um, understand it. I, I did feel it and it lasted much longer than like a fleeting moment. Yeah. In your book, you you go really deep in your book actually and it it makes sense because these issues have deeper issues but what gave you the courage to to go there <laughs> and to even start sharing your debt journey in general mm. uh well the debt one unfortunately the answer is pretty easy which is that i wrote anonymously because i just didn't want anyone to know <laughs> that's true <laughs> But you but, switched at one point. Yeah, but I, um, it, you know, it felt, I think, I, I mean, when I started 
blogging about paying off the debt, if you go back, because I've left them all there, like the first six months of posts are mostly just these weekly spending reports mm-hmm. where I would literally just show you how much I had spent on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so those felt easy, especially because my name wasn't attached to them. And the reason I did that, like started it as at all was now what I can see is probably more like, you know, the way that we might track what we're eating if we're trying to lose weight or track your workouts, if you're trying to reach new personal goals or different things like that. Like I, I just had this inherent understanding that like, if I, if I could track it, maybe that would help. Um, way back then there was actually a massive community or not massive, I guess now it's massive, but I did find somehow this community of other personal finance bloggers who were mostly doing the same thing. And, you know, there were a few people who had kind of gotten way further ahead and were um, blogging about life after they had paid off their debt or different things like that. But there were a lot of people who were just writing anonymously about paying off whatever amount of debt they had. And it was really neat to kind of connect with those people and feel like we were all cheering on or cheering each other on a little bit with the book. um, I mean, I think that especially in between paying off debt and writing the book, which is about four years. um, I don't know. I mean, I just was able to go a lot deeper into my own understanding of my habits and tendencies um you know I had I paid off or I quit drinking when I was paying off my debt I sort of went through this period in the second year of my debt repayment where I realized like wow I'm making a lot of progress on this one thing maybe there's some other things in my life that I should start looking at and Uh, The first was health, not, not the drinking part yet, but I started just eating better and working out more. I ended up losing 30 pounds and um, just felt, uh, it wasn't even like a control thing. It it was just like, I finally realized that it wasn't so hard. Like I didn't have to be so hard on myself. I could just wake up and go to the gym sometimes. And then some days you don't wake up and go and and that's okay too. Um, (laughs) And yeah, so I think I like learned a lot about myself then, but then I quit drinking six months, maybe five months before I paid off my debt and all of it was way too fresh then. Um, But during that year that I, so in the year of last, I, I talk about a year where I didn't shop at all. And I really could see for the first time that basically instead of drinking, I had just gone back to spending money. Like I, I sort of always likened it to like, Oh, I just didn't have a good financial goal. That's why I was saving no money. It's like, no, it's because whenever things would come up, I would just quickly spend some money or buy something or like, it wasn't even always buy something. I'd just say yes to dinner or whatever with friends and, Um, I was constantly numbing myself, even just in little subtle ways. But because that year I wasn't able to do all the things that I had once done, because at that point it was sort of like spending money was the last option. Like I'd quit drinking. I'd quit doing drugs before that. And so when I had quit drinking, I quit eating tons of bad food. And 
then now I couldn't spend money. And it was the first time I think I really faced what was going on. Hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, like, I just couldn't, I couldn't not include all of that stuff in the book. Like, I guess maybe there's some things, I don't know. But no, I'm like, I'm thinking mostly about certain memories. I've, ha- I've had a lot of people comment on the story I tell about the first time I got drunk, which was when I was 12. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, like, it, it's still important because it just sort of shows how easy it was to get into it. The same way it can be really easy to go from not having an addiction to something else. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's like this new thing you rely on. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that, I mean, <laughs> logistically speaking, I wrote that book when I was basically in isolation for like two months because I couldn't get myself to some of the places where I had to write that stuff, like in regular daily life. Like I couldn't really be around people. I couldn't write for two hours and I'm like, <laughs> go have brunch or something. Right. like, oh, no big deal. I just like wrote my deep, dark secrets that my friends <laughs> don't even know. <laughs> like, how are you guys doing? <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, I just think that the book needed it. And uh, yeah, I, if anything, there's probably more that could have been added. But I felt like it was important to protect kind of other people's privacy and not tell too many other people's stories just to tell my own. Right. Well, as a consumer of the book, I really appreciated it because I think when you get to that deeper stuff, like that's what it's all about. We're all human beings that go through really hard things. And even if they're not exactly the same, we kind of, tend to cover it in similar ways. And so it it would have been really neat to read about you, you know, not spending and, and la di da, but like, it's so much more powerful when you can get to the nitty gritty of it. And so I'm really grateful that you did because it opens up, it it, it creates safety for Mm -hmm. other people to either talk about it or go there on their own and be like, and connect those dots that can take a while to connect or if ever, you know? So mm. appreciate it. <laughs> thank, no, thank you for saying that. It's, um, it's so interesting because I like from the beginning when the book first came out, I have been pretty good about never reading reviews, um, especially with a memoir. I think like if anyone's ever thinking of writing one, I think that it's very important to know up front that a lot of people either love them or hate them. (laughs) Right. Like you might get something in the middle of like, oh yeah, this was okay. But like, there's so much love or hate about them. So I just knew like maybe some people would be able to relate but a lot of people would probably not like it or just like to expect some bad reviews. And so it doesn't hurt my feelings that they come in or anything like that. But um, I do know that this sort of general sense around them has been like, oh, it's just a memoir. There's not enough tips. And like I sit with that and do go, okay, like there are probably more things I could have touched on or like, it's not that it's, it's, they're not wrong there. It is a memoir and it's not not a practical book. Um, But then I'm just like, I still wouldn't change anything about it. Mm -hmm. And also because there are books that already tell people how to not 
do stuff like that or that talk about the ways that women are marketed to or right like there that stuff exists and I don't know I'm like I personally have always learned more through personal story or just not even learned more but just like actually kind of what you said like I I feel more comfortable maybe trying something or for the first time acknowledging something about myself because I can read someone's story Mm -hmm. and like the books that resonate most with me are typically not um how to like a very specific how to kind of thing right so yeah no I'm 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 glad that some people like it and it's okay that not everyone does (laughs) well and I'm not surprised because I feel like you it is a how-to book but it's like how to with yourself and like your soul Mm. on a very deep level (laughs) like it's like it's just an example of like what it really takes to break these cycles because if you just stick with the how-to tips it's only going to get you so far. And a lot of times it can bypass the deep work. It can just be another reason you're not doing the deep work. And yeah. And then the other part of it, which is um, because actually any other publisher who was interested in the book, they all wanted it to be more of a how to. Mm. And I just felt so against it um, because at the end of the day, I like I've never been able to follow someone else's system 100% and I find like so many how-to books because you maybe only three of the things are you know that they suggest are stuff you could actually do I always end up feeling again like bad about myself or just like another thing to shame yourself over because you you can't live up to these new set of rules or whatever um so yeah I'm 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 like very committed to the the idea that I I hope to never write a book like that <laughs> um, because they just they don't work for everyone. Like what works for one person will not work for everyone, and it's I don't know. I guess they can sell a lot of books when you try and paint that as a pretty picture, but it it's mm-hmm. just not true. So, <laughs> or it can be, or those books can be a a seat like a follow up after you've already done this other stuff, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, now I have the capacity to actually implement the tips that could work for me or something. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I just got an email the other day of somebody with back pain and they were like, yeah, I've been having back pain for a lot of months and da da da. Could you send me like a yoga pose that will heal my back pain? And I didn't know how to answer because I don't, there is like with any kind of pain, there's not like one thing you can do and it, you have to know the story behind your pain Mm -hmm. before you can really heal it. And, um, and taking a look at how did it get there? How long has it been there? How are you living your life on a day-to-day basis? You know, whether it's some of these deeper mental issues or physical issues, there's always this other layer and so I, I didn't, I wrote her back just inviting her to have a conversation about it, but it was like, I can't, if I just gave you a yoga pose or two, that would be giving, like, that would be a huge disservice, <laughs> you know, cause it would probably not do anything, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and it's also even things are like, I think about this is like, what is someone's experience? 
Like, mm-hmm. and, and even with pain, it's like, okay, I could tell you I have back pain, but that simple sentence wouldn't tell you maybe what sports I did as a kid or as an adult. Um, the fact that I was in a car accident six years ago, like all these different things, it wouldn't tell you any of that. So you wouldn't know. Um, and yeah, and just in general in life, like it's why how to books almost just kind of drive me nuts to a degree because I'm like, you can't possibly be speaking to, and you'll never write a book for everybody. I will always preface this with that because like <laughs> you will never ever be able to write a book that everyone's going to enjoy and like, um, or even get something from, but yeah, to not acknowledge sort of what your background is or the other, other people who might be reading it or just getting information from you. Um, it is, it does a huge disservice to people. For sure. So along the lines of kind of listening to yourself and your story, I think I read a recent or a relatively recent blog post where you talk about being a mindful consumer. And so as far as tips goes, I think this is a good one, which isn't a, a concrete tip, but it's how, <laughs> um, how you, your body communicates with yourself when it comes to spending. Can you share more of that experience for yourself? Mm, oh God. Oh, well, I'm like, is there something specific from a post that resonated? Um, maybe it was a conglomeration of what I read from you and then how my brain went off <laughs> in, in enjoyment with that. Um, <laughs> but just um, using your mind and body when you consume, like what does it mean to be a mindful consumer? Well, I think my definition of this has even changed a lot more since I wrote the book, which feels, um, I feel weird saying, because I only wrote the book two years ago, Mm -hmm. but we are always evolving and changing. And Mm -hmm. um, so where I'm at now with it is like really having an understanding that we as humans are consumers and it, um, I've said the I've been throwing the word consumer around a lot in the past six months, and I've had a few people, like not a lot, but a few people say, "Oh, it just it feels really dirty," or thinking of myself as a consumer, or like that you're calling us a consumer. Um, it's such just a feels, sucker, sucker well, for buying things. Well, it's or, or just like as though it's like a bad thing in some way, and I'm like, no, like I think we should really embrace it because we because we have brains that connect all parts of our body like we are literally taking things in from the minute we wake up until the minute we fall asleep and it's like way beyond just what we are eating or drinking or buying um like we are consuming the environment that we're in the culture that we're surrounded by Um, the conversations we have with people and and just like the people we're around in general, their energy, what they're bringing to you. Um, But conversations, like everything, like we are consuming all of it and it shapes like how we think, um, what our opinions are, how we feel, how we act and behave. Um, And I, I really, I'm just constantly becoming more and more aware of it. So really, like I think last year was um, learning or like where it was coming in more and more was kind of looking at social media and email and just kind of the messages I was always getting. And just that so much of it made me feel bad all the time. <laughs> and, right. um, 
but no, I think that I would say like I, I probably started learning about this with actually just going back to the example of like having a gut instinct whenever I was swiping for something that I couldn't actually afford. Like there was just this feeling inside of me that it like, it was like a tough pill to swallow or you just, something felt really uncomfortable like in my chest and yet I would do it anyways and eventually it led to a bad thing. So it was like, okay, I'm constantly ignoring these things that feel bad and then bad things happen. So mm-hmm. what would it feel like to do the opposite? Um, through the act of like, not so much paying off my debt, but the shopping ban very specifically, it really made it so um, buying things is much more of just a transaction now. Like I, I won't buy something unless it's a need and a need would be like obviously like groceries and things like that but um if I'm three days away from running out of toothpaste like then I will go and buy more toothpaste so I don't really stockpile or things like that like I have to notice and I think that that was the first year when I ever did start to just pay attention to little things like that and like really pay attention and and not so much buy for like things that might happen in the future. Um, but instead buying for like what I actually need when I need it and, and, or when I really want it. Like I get a lot of questions because um, one of the toughest things for me to give up was buying books. And that was because I had such a habit of buying books, like probably at least once a week, at least. And I would basically do this thing where like the minute I heard of the book, I would just put it in Amazon or like whatever was the cheapest online site. And then I would add enough to get to $25 free shipping or whatever. Um, And I would just place order, the order would come and I would just put them on my bookshelf and never actually read them. (laughs) Um, Or I might read them, but like six months later, like I never read stuff right away. And now it's so different. Like I have no problem buying a book now because first of all, I, typically go through my library first and if my library doesn't have it or if I'm like number 108 on the list (laughs) but I really want it then then I will just buy it um but it's it's not because I've heard of it just once like I can't I don't really do impulse purchases anymore like that's not a thing I really make myself feel it like multiple times except for toothpaste. Like if you need toothpaste, just go buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Like if I've, if I've heard of a book a bunch of times, fine, whatever. But if I've sat there and gone, no, like I actually really want to read this book right now. I've thought about this for a long time. Now I'm ready. I go buy it and then I just start reading it and then I'm done in like three, four days. Like, and that feels completely fine because I've learned how to wait until it's time and when I will actually use it, not just kind of buying it preemptively for one day. That never comes. <laughs> right. Well, I can totally relate to the book thing. Um, it's it's a problem <laughs> when you love books, and I do that too. Like, I'm just listening to you. I'm like, yep, Amazon. Yep, wait till you have them <laughs> enough. Yep, uh-huh. Like, <laughs> so I was an English major, so I'm hmm. just like a super book nerd. But I've been – I actually, when I turned 30, I did a 30-while – 30 challenge because I felt guilty for all the books that I had on my shelf that I never read. And so I made a list of like, I'm going to read 30 books in my 30th year. And one of the rules was it was the ones that were still hanging on my shelf. And um, 
and it was really fun. I really enjoyed it, but I didn't, if I did that again, um, I wouldn't like, I would account for the page numbers because one of them was Anna Karenina, which is like 800 pages. <laughs> so you're like, that's three books. <laughs> and it took me like all, it took me like four months also because it's not a very riveting book. So it's not like yeah. I was up late reading it. It was like, I'm an English major. I need to have known Anna Karenina. Like, I don't know. this identity. <laughs> and so that held me back. So then I did like half of them in audiobook and half of them. And then it kind of became stressful by the end. But um, anyway, so if you, if anyone out there decides to do that, it's a great idea, but like check the, make it real, a real thing. But, um, but that actually reminds me of something you said in the book, um, of the stuff you wanted was the ideal version of yourself and you would buy it in hopes that somehow you'd become that person. And I think I've totally done that with books. Like that's probably where it comes out the most. Yeah. And I think it would be different for a lot of people. I mean, yeah. books are sort of a common one that keeps coming up in discussion, but also I'm like, we're also talking about a book. So it makes sense that, we're <laughs> that we love that. books. Yeah. <laughs> but I, th- I do think it'd be different for everyone because I know people who say they do it with a lot of craft supplies. Like maybe they yeah. are really artsy, but they're yeah. better at one or two things, but they keep buying all this other stuff because they think they'll get to it one day or they like wish they also were good at this other thing. Um, and but books were the same for me I mean I had by the time I figured that out I had decluttered and gotten rid of a bunch of books but I could see very clearly that the books that were left over were ones I was excited to read or just that I own there's not that many that I own and like reread often I'm pretty much now at the point where I if I know I'm not going to read it again I donate it in some way now Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I had a few that I loved and a bunch I was excited to read. And I also had like an entire shelf full of books that I just, I either wanted this just like more interesting person to read, or, um, I think that I had, I liked the idea of being someone who like reads all the classics. So I <laughs> held on to those yeah. and I'm like, but it's not doing anything like people coming into my home, they might see it and think, oh, cool. Like you're the kind of person that reads those. But I'm like, <laughs> well, like I'm not. And I, you know, maybe at some point in my lifetime, I will read a bunch of them, but I haven't read a classic. I don't think since I was probably in high school and <laughs> that's okay. Like it's, mm-hmm. it could be worse. <laughs> like, I still read. I've loved to read since I was a kid. Um, and yeah, it was like learning how to accept that it's okay to just buy the books that I want to read. And that's, that is like, honestly, where being a mindful consumer comes in still to this day, because there's so much stuff out there, especially with like Instagram where people will promote the books that they've loved. And so then you think, Oh, I should read that. Mm. Or, you know, they'll write a review about it or whatever, like, and, and they really loved it. So then you think, Oh, I should read that. Um, But like, what if you don't want to read it? And, and actually, um, this is sort of a side topic, but I've never really talked about it anywhere. I don't think it, it's been so such an interesting lesson in releasing a book about our shopping habits or like my shopping habits. Mm-hmm. If I do look at some of the bad reviews, even actually some of the good ones, like the most common piece of feedback I've probably gotten is that it's much different than what people expected. And then, it, and then that's either good or bad. <laughs> right. Um, 
But in general, especially with the bad ones, I think that's so interesting because what it's showing me now is that we don't take the time to like preview a book before buying it. Mm-hmm. And the previews are very widely available, especially with websites like Amazon. I remember freaking out before the book came out because Amazon has full control over this. So your, your publisher does not control this. Oh, Amazon, wow. Amazon released, like, or if you click through the preview, at least in the past, I haven't done this, I don't think since shortly after it came out. But when you used to click through it, you could read like a third of the book for free. Mm. And I freaked out about it. And now I'm like, Oh, it's so interesting that like people don't really look at that. Right. Right. Like we probably just see a title of something or see a cover for the 15th time. So then we go and buy it. Um, But if I just think about the fact, like how many people commented that it's like not what they wanted, they didn't want a memoir. I'm like, you literally could have read like the first three chapters for free and you would have known that. Yeah, Uh, it's just just really interesting because I I still like it takes me time still to go, okay, no, like you should preview it or like, I'll think I want to read something. And then finally, when it's available at the library, I will then go to Amazon and go through and be like, oh, I actually don't want to read this book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Amazon's good. The library is such a good Mm -hmm. resource that people forget is there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that also comes back to the idea of being a mindful consumer like how aware do you want to be of what you're purchasing or are you just trusting the cover or someone you saw like mm-hmm. it's, it's just like not taking ownership yeah well and especially I think with like um, self-help books I think we because to be honest if you look at a self-help book it's um, often the the tactics for them are so similar like the tactics to sell them can be so similar to what we hate most about traditional marketing. So, so much of what's marketed, at least to women, <clears throat> typically comes from a place of like, here's what's wrong with you and, and this is the thing to fix it. So this is the makeup product to fix it or whatever, or Spanx or like whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there's so many products that have been created and then sold to us as like, here's how to fix you. Right. And not all self-help books, but there's a lot, especially in sort of the how-to space that, that are from that, like they, they tap into something that's wrong with us. And so then we just think like, oh, I'll just buy that and it will, it will solve all my problems or it will make me better. But what I'm constantly battling with myself and, and just, it's a practice, not battle, I should say. It's a practice where I will think about reading a book like there's a couple that are coming out this year that I have friends talking about and they're so excited that this book's coming out or that book is coming out. And I'm really challenging myself to go, do I really need to learn about this? Or like, A, is it just okay that maybe this year I like accept that I'm good enough and I don't need any self-help books? <laughs> um, what a concept. <laughs> or... Or just be like, which is something I've thought about. I really just want this year to be fun. And the idea of reading is like, I just want fiction and maybe memoirs. Like I'm not really interested in learning a ton of stuff this year. I just want to have an enjoyable year and not think I need to fix myself anymore. Um, Yeah. But, oh gosh, what was the third point on that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Targeting, I don't know. I'm sure there was something. Your other points were great. Um, but yeah, there's actually um, 
some a study or something that was done with fiction versus nonfiction, and it's healthier for your brain to read fiction, especially at night. Oh yeah, using different parts that. of your brain, and it's like we don't think fiction is self help, but it actually it's like it's you know we get to use our imagination and visualize things, and we're sparking parts of our brain that we really don't that much anymore because everything's in front of our face, you know? Oh my gosh. And yeah, I'm like, I think that my favorite thing about reading fiction so far this year has been how creative it's made me feel because it feels like you're using, that does make sense now. <laughs> like it does just like <laughs> sort of feel like you are, I don't know, like reading about worlds you could have never imagined and then you almost like keep imagining them and or like you you, as you're reading it you're painting a picture in your head Mm -hmm. and I I do not do that with nonfiction. most of the time you read it and go okay cool so like what are the 10 things I can do to make myself better right (laughs) and I just don't want to read it anymore (laughs) yeah there's um my mom is really into the Poldark series which is Mm. uh a British um, series that's pretty old. Um, and there's like 12 books or something. And she was all into him. So I'm like, I need fiction. Like, I don't, I don't want to like spend like too much going down the rabbit hole. So I was like, I'll just try them. And they're really, really good, really well written. Um, but then I found out that uh, the BBC made a, a TV show about it. Oh, cool. And well, it is cool, but it's also not cool because I was then like, watch that. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I don't want to see the actors. I don't want to know anything about it <laughs> because it would taint my imagination. And I right. would visual, and I usually like to, I usually will watch a movie, but only after I read the book or something, but I try mm-hmm. to stay away from the, the reality that's been created. And one time I was at my mom's house and she'd flipped it on and I was like, I covered my eyes. I'm like, I don't want to see it. <laughs> and then, and then I did see it. And then I'm like, well, okay, they're pretty people. Um, <laughs> and I'll just watch an episode. And then I'm like, I'll just watch to where I'm caught, where I've read in the books. And then I'm like, just kidding. I'll <laughs> So now I've kept going and I've stopped reading the book. Oh, <laughs> interesting. So it's it was this weird like personal experiment I did with myself of like how that can change and and now I'm kind of going back to the books to You sh- you should. It's funny. Yeah. I I'm normally exactly the same like I will not see something until after I've read it, but um strictly just because I actually didn't know it was a book until after I had watched the movie but there's mm-hmm. that um movie on Netflix called the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society or whatever mm-hmm. something like that yep um watched the movie thought it was so cute and then found out it was a book and the book is so good and because it's actually all written in letters Oh, nice. So it's all just letters people are writing to each other. And it adds, I'm actually for the first time, I'm glad I saw the movie because I like the characters. And so I like that they're in my head. But now I'm imagining this whole like extra world that goes along (laughs) with it because there's a lot of stuff, obviously, that's not in the movie. Um, Right. But it was the one time that that has felt okay. So I just started, well, the other book I'm reading is the Wrinkle in Time series. Mm, Okay. 
I watched the movie that came out recently, but there's so many other books. And so it's, I guess, the same kind of thing where you have certain things. And the, I mean, the actors look nothing like how they're described in the book. So it's kind <laughs> of hard to stick with it. But um, allowing yourself to go into depth with some of these other stories. I read them to my husband out loud at night. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and it puts him to sleep, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I like reading out loud, I guess. Um, but anyway, you and I could probably nerd out about books for a really long time. <laughs> so so um, as we wrap up here, um, I think the other thing I really wanted to chat with you about was just kind of more of where you're at now um, and how how it's evolved and maybe how how taking care of yourself is different now that you've cleared away some of these other things and these big things that were taking up a lot of your resources since this is a, a self-care podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how, how does your self-care, I know that's a buzzword, but we'll just use it for now. Um, look now and, and yeah, what, what have you done to fill that space? Mm, well, I mean, maybe I should first say that I think, um, throughout the year of less, like throughout the shopping ban, I would say that I, not like I didn't do a great job of taking care of myself, but I learned that year, um, sort of how to feel hard feelings for the first time. Mm. So um, I, it was almost like actually I had to force myself to do some self-care because I was feeling a lot that year. Like actually I remember when I finished the first draft of the book, my agent read it and was like, you know, that you're still crying a lot towards the end. <laughs> um, yeah. She's like, you know, normally in like a typical story, you would pick yourself up more towards the end. And, da, da, da. and I was like, cool. <laughs> well, like that's not real life. So. Right. <laughs> I'm going to just keep on crying because <laughs> I need to. Um, but right. Because I didn't, I didn't have anything that I could at least easily numb myself out with. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that year was, I learned a lot just about how to feel feelings and then to start asking myself for help um, or asking for help for myself. Uh, because I had never really done that. You know, I think that I spent so many years feeling like I had to fight my battles on my own and like I didn't want to burden anyone. And I didn't tell a lot of people that first year. I told my best friend Emma and my friend Claire mostly. Um, But yeah, I mean, to me, I think it's, I would say not that surprising that after I finished writing the book, I had, um, (laughs) well, for a number of reasons, but I, I started therapy after for the very first time. Nice. And I think because the, the book opened up a lot and, um, yeah, I just like, I knew that I, I needed to start working on some of the stuff that I had mentioned even because I'm like, Oh, even as I'm writing this, I'm sort of discovering some of it for the first time. Um, so I started therapy and now I'm not doing therapy at this exact moment, but I look at it as something that, I feel comfortable um, like with the idea that I will do it multiple times throughout my life. I imagine I don't want it to always be like when I'm in crisis mode, but certainly if I can feel that there is something that needs to be worked on, I want to reach out and, and deal with whatever that thing is. Like after I dealt with some stuff 
the first time around, I then was like, oh, you know, maybe I should start looking at relationships, like romantic relationships. Maybe I should start talking about that thing. And, and so I've sort of gone, gone to therapy in sessions of like, I'm going to kind of focus on one thing for a little bit, learn a bit about myself, figure out maybe a couple things and like go from there. Um, I think a big thing for me at this point is probably spending time outside. I think that um, it's become more and more important as time has gone on. And like even the places I've chosen to move to or travel to, like it's typically I, I make sure that I'm within close proximity to either a body of water or a mountain or a forest or just like something that feels a bit bigger than me. Um, I usually just find I'm a lot more like contemplative and reflective and can be more introspective when I'm surrounded by something that is bigger than me and just like reminds you that your, your problems are not the biggest thing in the world and that even just fresh air and surrounding yourself by nature um, can help more than we think. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's probably the biggest. The other one, it, it was a weird one. I was trying to explain it to my friend Amanda. It just feels weird to say that um, right now I actually feel like working um, kind of a Monday to Friday-ish schedule actually feels like self-care to me right now. And the reason for that is, number one, I'm self-employed. Um, and so my schedule has been all over the place for three and a half years. But last year was so sporadic and then so hard on my mental health at times that there were months where I could barely do anything. And it just feels really nice that, and like nice and almost like I'm being, I'm like committing something to myself or like I'm just making this commitment and sticking to it of when I wake up in the morning, I either make coffee here and just sit down to work for a few hours or I go to a coffee shop and work for a few hours. And it's like, it doesn't quite matter how much I get done. Like as long as I keep doing that. Um, there's something about it that just feels really nice right now. So it's not about this crazy hustle and working 60 hours or anything like that. It's, it's just like sticking to a little bit of a routine that feels healthy and um, is work that I'm enjoying doing. So that it just also feels like self-care right now. Yeah, I can relate to that <laughs> for sure. But And especially the nature thing, that is something I tried to talk about and, and, and hope to talk about more on this podcast and in my blog and things, but just how powerful that can be. Um, and again, it's just one, another one of those things. It's like too simple to think that it can help, but Mm -hmm. even just talking to a plant on your desk, (laughs) I think is helpful. When I think even like just having something to well, for that example, it's like more like having something to tend to, like yeah. being like, okay, like I have to water this plant every week or however often it needs it. And I have to make sure it gets some sunlight and little things like that. Like I think like when I go outside, like I'm incredibly respective of the trails that I'm on and I'm, I don't know, I'm like feel very grateful for the people who make trails for me. Like mm-hmm. the trails I walk on are not like... They were not just made out of nowhere. (laughs) Like typically people go outside and work as teams to create the trails that we get to use. And 
yeah, I'm just like careful of the wildlife that's around us and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So no, I think it's like seeing that you're part of a bigger picture and, and uh, yeah, just knowing that you're, you're one, one part of a massive system. Yeah. Trees and nature and, <laughs> and gratitude can mm-hmm. save the world <laughs> and puppies. <laughs> puppies. <laughs> did you hear my puppy pitter patter in here? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no. <laughs> no, it's anyway, great. She she just needs to make an appearance. Um, but yeah, well, thank you for for taking the time to chat and share yourself with us, and especially in your in your book. And it just, I just think it really matters. So thank you for for spreading the word and coming on here thank you um, thank you for having me of course and as far as um you know people wanting to connect with you now um instagram is where you hang out a lot um you have a mindful budgeting planner hmm. um, correct on your website I do. yes <laughs> very bad at marketing it but yes. <laughs> well let me do it for you <laughs> if you're wanting some tangible tools to learn from Miss Kate, you can check out her Mindful Budgeting Planner <laughs> on her website, kateflanders.com. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Good. Um, and then I know that you you have, um, I actually really enjoy your Honest Money podcast, and I think that's how oh, I cool. first found out about you, because I was like, I need help with money, so I was just Googling a bunch of podcasts, and came across that one. Um, so I don't think you're currently doing it, but even going back and listening to all what you have done, is really refreshing and helpful and relatable. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. My friend Carrie and I did that for five seasons. There's like 60 something episodes um, mm-hmm. and we haven't uh, recorded it yet, but we'll probably do some kind of episode just to tell people that we're not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, I can't remember when the season finished. I don't even know. <laughs> Maybe it was like in the spring last year and we kind of thought we might do more, but. Yeah, I think the yeah. the last episode was like, this is where we're at. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just, at first, like, I think we both were sort of unsure about recording like a final episode because it feels so final then if you do that. <laughs> right. But I also think it's good to have, um like to close a door like we both have a ton of updates like there's especially Carrie there's so much that's been going on in the past year but yeah I think just it feels good to kind of move on from that and think about the future so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well and the thing about your own podcast is that you can do whatever you want so Mm -hmm. even if you do close it it, you can always <laughs> yeah. open it. Like, Probably in like 10 years, we could be like... your door, man. You hey, girl, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> you, want, you want to record some episodes? Cool. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Very cool. Well, any anything else people can can keep a lookout for you? Yeah, just, I mean, Instagram's the best. I'm like, I'm hoping to launch a podcast this spring, but I'm also really focusing on trying to single task. So like my one sole focus right now is this first book proposal, or I guess second book proposal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I might have an answer in February or early March, like as to whether or not the book sells. 
Um, if it doesn't, then I <laughs> then I think about something else. But <laughs> I'm trying to really just do one thing at a time right now. Right. Very cool. Well, Which we is can... also self-care. <laughs> yes. I was like, we could have a whole podcast about that. <laughs> like, it's just uh, everything. Everything yeah. matters. And that's really effective. I'm I'm trying to do that myself, but I love so many things. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it evolves. But. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you, Kate. And uh, any links to her website and Instagram will be on the show notes as well. So, um, yeah. Da -da -da. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to end. <laughs> no, it's great. I told you, Kate is awesome. Her openness and vulnerability with these really confrontational topics is so refreshing, relatable, and inspiring. And it's so important. I really do recommend her book or even just following her on Instagram. And who knows, you might just find yourself doing your own money healing and how powerful would that be? Especially this time of year when we are recovering from holiday shopping and springtime shopping is just around the corner. So now is the perfect time to set some boundaries and intentions about how you want to move forward with your spending in the months to come. And if you want some support with all of this, I invite you to join my free communities that I've got going on. I've got my weekly newsletter, The Simple Letters, where I send the latest podcast updates, discounts off my offerings, insights, and musings that I don't share anywhere else, and it's a great way to stay in touch. You can also join the ever-growing Facebook group, The Simple Self-Care Circle. Say that five times fast. But you can commune there with other folks on the self-care journey. And I do a lot of Q&A and Facebook Lives there. It's just a good time. So search the Simple Self-Care Circle and ask to join. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. And join me next time as the self-care conversation continues. And spoiler alert, next week is all about you, your pain, and the technology that caused it. I am your host, Randy Kay, a holistic wellness practitioner and educator. Through my online resources and one-on-one -on -one mentoring programs, I teach women holistic ways to tune into their inner wisdom and establish healing seasonal practices so they can know how to heal their own pain and feel healthy and at home from the inside out. Until next week, take good care and enjoy the journey.